고민해 고민을 거듭하는 것이 다. Shouldn't make fun, but I mean, if you can't fucking laugh at it, we're just gonna cry and jump off cliffs, right? <laughs> Very bleak way to start this podcast. So, so let's try and forget about all that kind of stuff that's stressing us out. Instead, let's kick back and enjoy this episode. I recorded it a few days ago at the King Head Pub in Leicester. I had a great chat with one of the folks behind the Punk Rage and Revolution expedition that's happening in Leicester. This is an amazing project that's celebrating the punk culture uh, locally as well as uh, nationally. And I speak to one of the masterminds behind the project. Chris Wigmore is one of the many people who put their heart and soul into creating punk rage and revolution. This showcase isn't just a collection of punk history from the 70s to today. It also shines a light on the local punk scene in Leicester. So our chat, Chris and I delve into the expedition and what it's all about. Plus, we chat about the upcoming punk weekend that's happening in the same city from August the 18th to the 20th. Uh, so if you're listening to this straight away, Go to Leicester, go hang out at this amazing event because there's going to be film screenings, Q&A sessions and live shows from bands such as Buzzcocks and UK Subs. If you want more information on the weekend, go to the episode description in this podcast or Google Punk Rage and Revolution. Before we kick off, I've got to admit a little mix up when I was talking with Chris about a particular subject matter that happened to be uh, Indian and British Indian communities in Leicester and the punk movement. I got it wrong. I said that Indians were leaving Kenya for the UK, but I should have said Uganda and Idi Amin. So you'll, you'll, when it comes up, you'll hear it and you go, ah, oh, Liam, the fucking idiot. Uh, but I wanted to clear that up before someone starts bashing me on social media and, and just calling me a general dickhead. I know what I am, okay? Don't need you fucking telling me as well. So, so now try and block out all the shit that's going on in your world and kick back and enjoy my chat with Chris Wigmore and all the goodness that comes with the punk rage and revolution.
is a funny question, but it's just how I get my sound. Do you have uh, coffee or tea or anything like that? If you do, how do you take it? Milk, um, sugar? I don't drink any hot drinks, actually. Hot drinks? No, I never have. Is it? <laughs> okay. And uh, I really hate the taste of coffee. So what? Uh, we're going to start the podcast now because that's a great introduction. Why is it about hot drinks you, you I don't? I don't know. I've just never liked them. But obviously you've got a glass of wine in front of you, well, so yes, I'll, 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 liquids I are not say. out. No, liquids are not out. No. Can I just actually just bring the mic up? There yeah. you go. Thank you so much. Um, so, okay. So so the voice you heard there is, um, do you go by Chris? Is that what you prefer? Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, Chris Wigmore? Are you okay saying the last yeah. name? Yeah, I don't know. Some fine. people don't like their last name out there. Yeah, I, I get called other things. Yeah, <laughs> So we are currently sat in the uh, King's Head pub in Leicester because Chris is part of um, a collect- collective, right word? A partnership, really. Partnership. Yeah. Um, of a uh, exposition that is going on that's called Punk Rage and Revolution. The event is happening now, but there is a punk weekender coming up on the 18th to the 20th of August, whereabouts there will be Q&As and music and films um, happening all over the city. Before we jump into that, Chris, I have to I have to ask you, on the website for Punk Rage and Revolution, it says that you're that you used to be a punk. Are you a former punk? Is that it? You're done with your punk cards? No. You're throwing it away? No, not at all. I, when I say I used to be a punk, I was around at the time punk yeah. was happening okay. in Leicester. I still really live by the kind of punk ethos. I... I don't call myself a punk, but it sort of shaped the way I live my life, I guess. So if you don't mind me asking, what, what are your punk's ethos? Because I think for some people it's different. And... Yeah. Um, I'd say, really, that standing up to authority and social injustice, not taking, you know, what, what, what you're told to do. Mm-hmm. I would say if somebody said, go that way, I'd go, well, what would happen if I go the opposite way? and do things slightly differently. You know, social inclusion, um, just having a go at doing things, that kind of DIY ethos of, you know, pulling things together and making things happen, Um, not necessarily having, like, lots of money to do it, Mm. but finding ways to do things. Was your uh, kind of growing up like, like, was music always around in your house? Not really, no. I mean, I listened to the radio. I listened to Radio 1. Yeah. You know, my parents weren't particularly into music, uh, to be honest. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I just kind of watched Top of the Pops, listened to Radio 1. But actually was quite bored by it. You know, this kind of prog rock or, you know, I called it any, any old rock, yeah. Ameri- American-orientated rock. Um, and then suddenly punk burst through and it was just like oh my god what's this it's brilliant I'd actually seen women as well playing in bands yeah. bands like The Slits Polystyrene it was just like oh this is amazing so so what can you remember the song that is like oh my god like this is what I've been waiting for Germ Free Adolescence I think was amazing it just had this sound that was so different Polystyrene looking different The Slits um, so was it more visual than the sounds for you? I think the sound yeah. as well. Uh, the sound as much as anything, yeah. I mean, Buzzcocks are fantastic pop songs, but they were different pop songs, if you yeah. know what I mean. So things like Never Ever Fallen In Love, I mean, they just resonated with, you know, being young. and um, so, so definitely 
the, the sound and the simplicity of it um, and just the energy of it, really. So I don't want to date you, but if, if, do, you know, do you remember like what year it was when you first heard it would have been 77 77 yeah so was you hearing then because i think when you say punk in the uk a lot of people think of either manchester birmingham Mm. or london like were were, is that where you started hearing it on like from radio one with john peel who's famously helped push punk in that yeah john peel definitely um but also being in leicester at that time um there was a scene at what was then Leicester Polytechnic, now De Montfort University. And there was stuff happening with lots of local bands yeah. um, playing, local punk bands, which was fantastic. Mm. You know, um, I kind of got to know people there and then you'd hear what other gigs were going on and stuff like that. So, yeah, I wouldn't say I was particularly underground at the time or, you know, it was just what was happening around you, what people told you about, what you heard, what you saw on fly posters around the city yeah now it's the internet but then they're playing don't worry flyers are coming back like i hope so i was just talking about that you know why don't they let people stick tape you know just tape flyers up and then they're not gonna cause any problems no everything comes full circle at some point at that point then when you discover punk (laughs) i can only guess like when, when people were finding punk in the 70s it was I wasn't there and all I can do is read about mm. what it was like and it seemed to be like the media made it like a horrible dangerous thing so parents who might be reading their daily mail or the sun or the mirror or whatever see their child come back with maybe how they dressed uh, differently or a bit more dangerously and they might freak out I mean how was it the first time you went home did you purposely not dress how you might dress going out uh, no, not really. I think, obviously, I was a little bit older. I wasn't, like, 15, 16. Yeah. Like, a lot of the people who have been interviewed in, in the exhibition that we got were that, that age, so that bit younger. But I think what it was about it was it still um, kind of influenced me and rubbed off on me, that kind of alternative, looking different, feeling different. I felt different. I was really shy, mm. really, really shy. Um, at that time and just that thing of seeing people who were different I felt different I felt like I didn't belong and then kind of meeting people you could dress differently there was a kind of group of people that you kind of gravitated towards that were different the music was different it kind of made me feel like I, I belonged so at that time I'd moved away from where I came from which mm. was not that far down the road Leamington Spa and I just yeah I just did what I wanted to really and if my parents liked it they liked it if they didn't they didn't which they probably didn't <laughs> I just did it anyway <laughs> and did you feel like the people of Leicester kind of because again I, I read stories whereabouts people were spat at for being punk or, yeah. or or were shouted abuse at them. I mean, did you feel that as well yourself or people you're hanging out with? Yeah. Did you see that yourself? Yeah, I think it definitely happened to me. I know I kind of ended up going into certain uh, clubs in Leicester where I, I didn't really want to be, but I went along with my mates and, you know, getting comments like, what the, you know, what you, what you dress like that for and off women and stuff like that walking down the street like laughing and um so yeah but I, I think that kind of made me want to just do it all the more really yeah. <laughs> just be more different and stand out and just you know be myself and um 
dress the way I wanted to dress. So do you remember a gig that probably wasn't a band that's well known that played Leicester? You said like a lot of lo- local Leicester punk bands. Like, do you yeah. remember a band that you like, wow, they should have been? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, there was a band called Disco Zombies, which I absolutely loved. Um, I think they've actually released stuff quite recently. Um, they were fantastic. A band called Wendy Tunes. Um, there were other bands like I suppose they were all a bit kind of art, arty punk probably yeah. Dead Fly Syndrome um, Elia Volkswagens there was quite a scene that was kind of I suppose maybe crossing over from punk to post-punk so do you um, think then because obviously I said Leicester, Manchester and Birmingham do you think so Leicester, Manchester, Birmingham uh, Manchester, London and yeah. Birmingham do you think Leicester then or maybe the, even the East Midlands as a whole gets forgotten about when we talk about punk music I think so I think it does really I think those bigger cities then you know um, has probably well I don't know so much now but yeah they definitely had more of a scene they had more clubs they had more probably more promoters and things like that that were you know promoting gigs and yeah maybe just more more punters if you like yeah. were going to those things so the smaller cities perhaps you know weren't in the in the news so much unless a band broke through because I feel like this this expedition you got punk rage and revolution and this might be my London centric mind but it sounds like something that would be done in one of those big cities and and when I got the email saying this is happening I was like Leicester that's such an unusual place yeah. for for it to be held so can you just explain to me how it came about and what people might be able to expect going yeah so um, it, it, back in 2019 the same team did a project called mod shaping a generation which was about the um, kind of mod Mod youth subculture, and that tied in with the 40th anniversary of Quadrophenia. Um, but for people who, sorry, just because I know we've got people who listen in America and they have no uh, idea. Right. So Quadrophenia was a uh, a movie that was based in Brighton, and it was like the the mods versus the 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 Teddy Boys. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. the Rockers. The Rockers, actually. yeah, rockers, yeah. Sort of more like bikers. Yeah. yeah. So um, that kind of came about and that told the story of the Leicester and Nottingham mod scene and some of the people who were the kind of faces and contributed to that, who were actually quite creative people. Um, So that was a bit of a theme and and, um, Sean Knapp, who's a, a social history author, had written a book about that so a lot of the research had been done for that project and joe nixon from arch creative who's the kind of design and done a lot of the interviews for the exhibition his father was um was was a mod and and so he was uh, wanting to tell that story really um and so got soft touch the charity that i work for involved and we got kind of young people involved learning about you know the kind of legacy of the mod scene the fashion the music and stuff like that so that led on after that project that was quite successful we had the exhibition at new york museum and gallery where it is now and soft touch arts our charity which is across the road got heritage lottery funding very successful big visitor numbers museum loved it Um, and then we had a lot of punk saying when's the punk one going to be so we started thinking about that before covid came and then covid came along put it everything on hold and so that's how this exhibition has come about but this exhibition i think what was probably missing from that first one was having 
really having that local connection and local people involved. So with this project, we reached out to local punks. Um, we've got their kind of, you know, they've loaned clothes, they've loaned all sorts of ephemera and told the stories behind those. And we've also uncovered the stories about Leicester creatives that not many people would know hmm. were from Leicester but were part of the punk scene. Well, that was going to be my question because th- th- there's not like a, a punk phone book that you go, oh yeah, this no. person's from Leicester. So how did you discover like these kind of punks yeah. who, who may have been living in the shadows? Well, interestingly, quite a lot of them were kind of part of the mod scene and then they kind of moved into the punk scene. Yeah. So, for example, the guy that founded Boy, Stefan Rayner, was from Leicester, mm-hmm. which is not... A lot of people would know that. He had a little shop on uh, Silver Street in Leicester and then kind of moved to London. Roger Burton, who's loaned a lot of the kind of Vivian Westwood costumes, knew them very well. Um, He was part of PX. Um, You know, so they were all quite slightly older people, but Mm -hmm. actually quite influential in in the London scene. And then, you know, uh, other kind of... A photographer called Steve Pike, who was a punk in Leicester, but he, he's gone on to have a really successful photography career. There's a lot of people from Leicester that nobody would really know about that creative connection, if you like, and, you know, how they were involved, actually, in the London punk scene. So is it a case of kind of a friend of a friend knows someone, or is it kind of emailing them, explaining what you're trying to do and see if they can be a part of it? Yeah, I just think... One thing leads to another. When you start yeah. interviewing people, then people say, oh, have you spoken to such and such? Obviously, the connections that we had from the other project, the Mods project, that helped, you know, that helped us have connections in that kind of subculture world. Yeah. world and there wasn't a huge time difference between, you know, the one and the other and things led on. We had contacts and, you know, there are people that have been really helpful, like Leicester University, Dr. Emma Parker, who's really into kind of Joe Orton. I mean, he's in the exhibition as a kind of proto-punk, really, mm. and the way that he kind of wrote and and did things. So, you know, a lot of those Leicester connections are there, that creative bubble, which I suppose was like the London scene in many yeah. ways. It was kind of bubbling away, and then, then it happened probably a bit later in Leicester than in London. Well, it sounds great. Like, you just seem to have pulled a thread, and you just kept finding yeah. stuff and finding yeah. stuff. So punk is kind of renowned for its politics and its ideas and its attitude and and as you said spoke about trying to uh, bring voices that may have been pushed to the side so like female voices or or people from the lgbtq plus i mean how have you um put this in the exposition how have you shown this i think one of the the um i suppose unusual um and unusual things about this exhibition is that we've worked with so many young people across Leicester Mm. Um, that's what Soft Touch does we work with young people who haven't got a voice who are excluded or um, for one reason or another they've got some kind of challenge in their life that's holding them back and we use the arts media music to develop their skills and their confidence so what's been really interesting about this project is young people have been working with some of those punks learning from them but expressing what punk means today through being creative themselves Um, and actually there's so much in today's society that's very similar 
Well, I was going to ask. You know, it yeah. seems to come, you know, strikes, cost of living crisis, the government, exclusion, and they've got a lot of really interesting stuff to say. So amongst all the kind of nostalgic stuff, there's a whole lot of quotes from young people comparing and contrasting and saying what punk means to them today, yeah. which is really, really interesting. That is fascinating because I, I, I actually had that written down that like the, the similarities between what was happening in the 70s to now is spookily mirror image. And and just from kind of seeing what the, the poverty rate in Leicester is, it's, it, I was quite surprised. Yeah. 41% of the children in, in yeah. Leicester uh, live in um, poverty. Yeah. I grew up in, in Newark in Nottinghamshire and, and I, I grew up in poverty as well. I uh, Growing up was essentially surrounded by drinks and drugs. Yeah. It, it was like, I wouldn't wish on any other child. And it's a cliche, but punk did save my life. I found this group of people who, who kind of took me away from, from what could have been a horrible path that I went down. So with the people that you're working with, do, do you see it? Like they go, oh, I never knew this was here. Like this is something that can can, I, can really like speak to me and, and kind of go down their own path in discovering punk or, or whatever journey it takes them otherwise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what our whole char- charity is about, really giving young people confidence to express themselves, but through creativity. But I think what's really uh, interesting about this project is we've given opportunities, for example, doing like a sustainable fashion project. But actually what's so learning about sustainability, which wasn't particularly an issue, you know, in the punk days, now it is. But actually what a lot of the young people chose to do is write messages and slogans about things that they were angry about. Mm. You know, what was their activism? And that really shone through it. And that thing about um, giving them a vehicle through creativity to express what they feel about what's wrong or what's wrong for them with their different kind of, you know, some of those young people are LGBTQ, um, some of them are women, you know, young girls talking about the issues about today. so it's quite interesting, really. And I think I think even though stuff's all over the internet, young people don't necessarily have a chance to discuss that kind of stuff amongst other young people or feel confident about putting those things across. So. And I think that's why it's important that these kind of expeditions happen because you, you can look on the internet, you can learn about punk through the internet, but when you go to an exhibition, you... you, you especially for me I'm dyslexic severely dyslexic so I I learn from physically seeing something and I think these kind of exhibitions you you can spend a bit of time actually looking at the thing and reading the 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 text that comes around it and then possibly turning to the right and talking to someone to the right and just and then that's how you build up a conversation I don't know why I'm telling you how to build a conversation (laughs) but and just what I'm trying to get across really is, is for you how important was it to be a part of this particular project seeing it was something that was so close to you as a, as a growing yeah. up I think um, I mean it's been amazing can I say it's quite emotional bringing all those people back together people who've loaned things and feel I mean so many of them said I can't believe you know the comments I can't believe it I'm a, you know I'm still alive and <laughs> my, je- my shredded dre- jeans are a display in a museum but they're proud of it mm. and it's almost like social history while people are still alive yeah and it's because it's so relevant with what's going on in society, it's actually really amazing. It's brought loads of people back together. Young people, like I said, have had the confidence to express themselves and, you know, talk about things and 
um, shout about things that they, they're angry about. And it, it looks amazing. We haven't had one bad comment about it, everyone. It's just, wow, this is amazing. I feel very, very proud, very tired. <laughs> but very, very proud. But also, I think it's important to show these show these things and so many people you know we have to have evaluation forms for our wonderful funders like the heritage fund everybody has said they've learned something which is fantastic you know yeah. which is what it's about really People who who plays heavily in the exhibition is Vivian Westwood and yeah, her clothes. Sure. I mean, for you, what what was it like having obviously her? Uh, I, sorry, I forgot the person mm. you said who donated the, the, the clothes. Yeah. When she passed away, like everyone spoke about national treasure. It's a thing that kind of gets bantered around a lot. Yeah. But I think she truly was. She she was someone Definitely. who was unique. Uh, not only in in fashion, but the way that she spoke about women and, yeah. and how 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 women should be front and center. I know the exposition itself has is focusing a lot on on what women did in the yeah. punk scene. I mean, can you tell me a bit more about what you've got from Vivian's collection, yeah. collection, and also what are you doing for, you know, to to shine a light on what what the women what women from that yeah. um, scene were doing? Yeah, um, yeah. So we have got items from her whole um, pre-punk and punk uh, all the sh- all the her shops basically mm. so it's sort of going back to let it rock through to sex and seditionary so it, it, it sort of charts that journey really um, there's lots of local kind of copies of things or, or um, there was a shop called Hollywood Fashions in on Evington Road where people just have to trek up out of the city to this shop where they made kind of copies of things and so many of the punks that have loaned things, some of those are their own creations, you know, where they ripped T-shirts, they wrote the names of the bands on. I mean, I think that's what's so wonderful about it. There's this, you know, the Vivian Westwood stuff, which was actually really expensive yeah. um, at the time. Um, and But people copied or they just did their own thing. And what a lot of the punks say is, well, we didn't want to look like anyone else. And... Obviously, you know, punk turned quite commercial. Um, they would just make things and try... I mean, it's total DIY culture, I love it, you know. Well, I used tape to stick on this scarf and um, obviously safety pins, but, you know, just, just the creativity mm. of how they kind of made their own clothes. And that's shown in the exhibition, which is just as valid yeah. as the amazing Vivian West. But, you know, it's fantastic to have those things together because it, it, it's... Um, and for me, you know, Vivian West was a total icon, really. It's quite weird because she had this huge em- fashion empire, but then kind of almost... She was still part of it. She mm. had to be, but turned her, her, her back on it yeah. um, because the fashion industry is 
you know, one of the worst kind of contributors towards to environment, you know, the environment crisis. But um, yeah, kind of interesting. But she didn't care really. No, I. I, I, I but I, she wanted to stand up yeah. for what she wanted and would say it and shock people. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of controversial content in the exhibition, which we've tried to kind of explain. Why do you think people are still interested? And do you think there's still stuff to find? I think there is. I mean, we've, we've uncovered all these stories that people wouldn't know about, you know, and that's what a lot of people are saying. Oh, I didn't realise Leicester was such a part of it and there were all these creative people doing stuff they didn't realise. So in many ways, it's still quite underground and mm. there's probably stories like that in every city about people who contributed or... One of the things that really stands out that one of the young people that got involved said was, I just thought punk was a kind of fashion thing, you know, like studs, spiky hair. But now I realise that punks really change things. They stood up to things. And I want to thank (laughs) the punks. I would love to go and say thank you because you've helped change society I think if you if you could go back in time and tell a punk in the 70s that yeah. I think they'd just tell you fuck off <laughs> yeah you're probably right <laughs> but it's interesting that so many of them have gone on to do like really caring things like a lot of some of the other people that we've interviewed and contributed things have gone on to be quite um, high up in things like disability rights in um, kind of NHS but changing systems so interesting you know either quite creative things or actually gone into things that are really about caring for people and inclusion social inclusion well if you don't mind a slight right turn to talk about the work that you do at soft touch because i think something in this country we spoke about the government this particular government or the tories in general will always kind of cut the arts to its Mm -hmm. bone and my personal opinion is it's probably one of our greatest exports to the world like for such a tiny island we've we've given the world the beatles the uh, david bowie queen I would say the Clash because I was more of a Clash fan than the Pistols like we, and we continue to do that even in music genres that are away from punk or rock and roll how difficult is it for you who work in the arts to try and push that onto children and also you, you've spoken about how, how what successes you've had if you don't mind just touching a little bit more on mm. that and like what successes you have had I think it's really really difficult it always has been like the arts you know you say the word the arts and it has these connotations of you know like big art galleries and things like that there isn't really a word that kind of describes the way that we work and use the arts as a tool really to build confidence and self-belief in young people that haven't got any or have got difficult lives and how important actually doing something creative can be to give young people a voice um or to give them confidence or to give new skills just a different horizon you know to meet other young people that kind of arts if you like i suppose it's kind of community participatory arts it's really hard it's really hard it always has been hard to find the funding but we've always done it very well in our organization but i think at the moment it's changed so a lot of the kind of grant funders where we get our funding are very front frontline, yeah. you know, health, um, food poverty, that kind of thing. And yet, the arts is so important, but it always gets sidelined at times when you know when the chips are down, literally. And you know, 
but it's been a gradual kind of deterioration of no, that's not the right word um taking money away from from yeah. the arts but also and um, i'd probably be um shouldn't really say this because they fund us but you know the arts council they have to do what the government says and yeah. then they pass that on and it just becomes harder and harder to the criteria or for organisations that truly are grassroots because they have to be able to write those funding bids in a certain way don't get the funding and, um, if, if it's challenging it's challenging and I've you know as someone who does that role in our organisation there's less money around and it's quite concerning really. so what 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 do you think people the like local people can do to, to, to support I'm going to say the arts again, but you, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a difficult one. And, um, you know, people have got less money. So going out and supporting, like, local venues, music venues, they're all struggling, you know. It's expensive. It's expensive to go out and, and drink. But, um, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, I feel like there's this kind of... You know, there was this kind of, you know, I mean, COVID was a massive thing, but maybe it was happening before that. And it's how are we ever going to get that back? Yeah. Because costs for it, you know, for everything are so much. So how can, you know, it's like city centres, you know, they're, Leicester certainly pretty run down. And um, so getting people back to gigs and things like that. You know, how do, how do we do that? Well, it's I, a challenge. Do you look to punk, though, and go, well, the punks did it? Because yeah. the punks essentially just use squats yeah. or, 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 yeah. or a generator where people were getting choked up yeah. on petrol. Like, they're, they're, it sounds corny, yeah. but it, it seems that people always find a way. Yeah, the, 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 I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, you know, I, I do hope so. I think it's harder because gentrification in most cities all those kind of run-down buildings where people would start stuff like that up. Uh, how, how do you even find out who owns them, you know? Mm. They have to let signs out, but you can never get hold of the landlords. They're owned by property. Who knows who they're owned by? Yeah. But it's, yeah. But I hope, yeah, that there needs to be something, um, you know. And I guess in some cities it's probably easier than in others. So to kind of stick with Leicester, Leicester now predominantly has an, an Asian community yeah. and it is and punk is not really renowned for having a, a strong Asian yeah. um, connection I mean how has the expedition tried to get Asian and British Asians to come and take part and, and actually yeah. have a look what punk is about I mean we have had quite a, a very mixed diverse audience coming to see the exhibition um, I think generally in the arts it's a challenge um, it's a cultural thing perhaps mm. Uh, that the arts aren't so valued in the Asian community. Um, I'd say as an organisation, yeah, it's probably the group that we reach the least with our work. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what the answer is, mm. but maybe it's taking things out to those communities, um, something that our organisation has done a lot of in the past like we used to go out to traveller communities actually go out onto the traveller sites and work with young travellers and things like that so maybe it's that approach of taking the arts to uh, yeah to, to, to the communities directly maybe one of the reasons that the the Asian community the British Asian community aren't that keen on the punk scene was because 
in the 70s oh. when, particularly in Leicester, uh, the, uh, it was the Asian community were living in Kenya. I think you were getting kicked out of Kenya because that's of... That's right, um, yes. Idi Amin. That's yeah. it, Idi Amin. Yeah. Um, and in the UK, we were going through, let's politely say, a race issue. Absolutely. And the punk scene was associated with that, with the skinheads, that there was an issue with race. And in, in, in going to a punk scene, it was difficult if you weren't white. And that's, I suppose, where Scar played such a huge part. Yeah. But does, does, does the exposition look into that and how, how race played it? It definitely looks into the link between... Um, punk and and reggae because that was you know a big thing in Leicester at the time you know punks felt disenfranchised didn't feel welcome and and so black people in Leicester didn't either so um, in Highfields they'd have blues parties and they would welcome the punks Um, I think it was a racist time it was a sexist time as a woman at that time you know if you walked in a pub on your own people would just think you were going in to be picked up but I think most of the people that we taught to and I know you get that those connotations of that kind of punks and skinheads and being but actually everyone's the opposite mm. they were very welcoming and inclusive but maybe it goes back to being the confidence of those communities at the time to engage in things which is what a lot of the kind of you know the, the kind of black community the African Caribbean community said well we we didn't feel like we could go into town. We didn't feel like we could go into pubs, so we did our own thing. In my head, I'm thinking of my skinhead friends. The skinheads themselves would argue, well, actually, that look was part of the, the Scarf movement, and, and that was about yeah. interlinking race uh, between the white and the black communities. I mean, Don Letts, I know, has yeah. played a part in this exhibition. Yeah, Can you talk about like what work he's done in, in, in this? I mean, he's quite a, an advocate, really, mm. for, for all that. I mean, you know, I suppose, yeah, perhaps he didn't talk about a lot about that in in his interview but then he was a, a champion for that you know he he was there from that community he was playing that music yeah um kind of introduced that to a, a lot of punks and that's probably where that reggae you know scar reggae punk connection came like i said i don't think yeah i don't think we've really Probably, I mean, it is there in the exhibition. All those things are touched upon, you know, the racism of the time, sexism. Um, But then talking about the more positive elements that came out, like female empowerment, um, rock against racism movement. This is a public service announcement with guitar! have who I think is we use the word again national uh, national treasure is John Cooper Clark oh, yeah. and uh, he, he for me is someone who I find fascinating in, in how yeah. he kind of lives his life and, and, and obviously the work that he does was there anyone that you did approach that was like no like punk is behind me I don't want to deal with it at all not really the, the, the national treasures if you like um, <laughs> getting hold of them and getting yeah. them to do something was was hard 
locally there were people you know like a really good friend of mine that was a proper Leicester an icon really Jeanette um, she just wouldn't take part she said oh I'm not that bothered. I won't be able to remember anything anyway. <laughs> and it's just such a shame because everyone yeah. says, oh, why isn't she in it? You know, so, and then other people have said, oh, you know, nostalgia's not for me or it wasn't a great time in my life. I don't want to go back there. That's so I think most, you know, yeah. some people that you think that everyone else mentions, have you got in touch? just didn't want to be part of it which is fair enough I love that line it's so punk nostalgia's not for me that's that's a fun line Um, so we're going to come to the end of our chat but with that in mind what message would you like to convey to anyone who's thinking of coming to the expedition I mean what what, how how are we selling it to them okay I think it's like a, a feast of information it's not minimalist there's a lot of stuff there you'll learn something you'll be visually stimulated you'll learn a lot you'll find out a lot uh you'll leave it feeling really really great there's something for everybody really young kids like it even though there's a kind of sign saying it's not really suitable for children and a certain age but they love it um across the generations i mean we have had you know people across the generations that have absolutely loved it and there's one really fantastic story um from this exhibition so one of the lester punks was uh, an amazing photographer and a lot of his photos are featured in the exhibition he had a good camera um wayne spike large i'll mention his name because he's a fantastic photographer he took this amazing photo of um punks in castle park in leicester and there's this picture that he took these two older ladies happened to be walking through the park so the, this group of punks that were always messing about in castle park asked if they could have their photo took um so this is it's a really iconic photo um i'll have to send it to you so you can see it and we put a call out does anyone know who these two old ladies are you know we're looking for the family because we'd like to recreate it with the older punks now and maybe some younger members of the family so we put this out right at the beginning last week somebody got in touch so the family have got in touch dolly and harriet <laughs> um, and they've been to there's some of them still live in leicester yeah. and they've had their photographs taken with it because we've got a giant photo of the you know the uh, the punks and the old ladies and they're just so made up that's so nice you know that they are viewed as these this iconic photograph and just loved by the Leicester punks these two two ladies Um, so they're great yeah the family's great aunties so when when exactly does the exhibition close Um, it closes on the 3rd of September so you've still got a little bit of time yeah we've got a little bit of time to come and like I said the 18th to the 20th of August there's going to be things going on all over the city music uh, Q&A's films so so if you want to know more uh, you can click the link in the episode description or go to or Google uh, Punk Rage and Revolution and you'll find all the information there Um, so I ask all my guests this so I'm going to finish it with this if time and money wasn't an issue who from the punk community would you want to go and have a beer or a glass of wine or a drink with um i think i'd like to uh go and have uh, a beer with with the slits really why so because they just influence me so much 
they made me want to pick up a guitar and go and be in a band and I did what was the band? Uh, oh, well, I've been in various ones. Okay. What was, what was your favourite one that you think people could well, pick the, out? Well, the band that I was in, I mean, it was slightly postponed because, you know, yeah, it, it, we were called the Shapiro, so we were quite kind of 60s but punk at the same time. Um, all girl, Lesser's, at that time, only girl, female band, really. And can, can people find the music now? No, not really. Yeah, I, I challenged someone we did, to we find it. We did have a single out, um, on which believe version records but I'm not gonna yeah it's not I'm not proud of it <laughs> we went down the wrong way we went down the wrong wrong, wrong you, route you followed but, um, Branson's money well yeah well yeah it just ended up in the bargain bin so <laughs> Chris <laughs> so just right thank you so much for your time and I wish you all the best for the expedition I, I hope it goes great I'm looking forward to, to coming and seeing it myself thank you Thank you to Chris for taking the time for having a drink and a chat with me. If you would like to know more about the expedition and the festival that's coming up on the 18th to the 20th of August, then please click the link in this episode description or give it a Google. Or if you're even more lazy, check out the Punks and Pubs socials at Punks and Pubs and there'll be links there. That's it for me. I think the next episode will go and speak to a band because we haven't actually done it for a couple of episodes now. Uh, so that's it. Bye bye. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down you pick them right back up again till next time i love you football season starts so come on forest you reds bye bye
lose my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>